This is your ultimate stop for everything sports. The Golden State Media Concepts Sports Podcast. Should I say more? From the NFL, MLB, the NBA, to MMA. It's all in here. The Golden State Media Concepts Sports Podcast. Listen now. Welcome to the GSMC Sports Podcast, which is brought to you by the GSMC Podcast Network. We once again are really excited and honored to bring on Greg Swartz of Bleacher Report, NBA writer for Bleacher Report, does a fantastic job. Go give him a follow at Greg Swartz BR on Twitter. Um, and we're going to get right into it. We're going to talk about the draft. We're going to talk about free agency, kind of get a good idea of who Greg liked going into free agency and what they did but Greg I kind of want to start with this man because I feel like this is a topic that could end up getting pretty big and that's the recent news that the NBA is going to investigate the potential tampering violations between Miami um, before the Miami Heat and Chicago Bulls referring to the Bulls acquiring Lonzo Ball um, from the Pelicans and the Heat acquiring Kyle Lowry from the Raptors my, my question is this, Greg, what does the NBA honestly think is happening when these deals come into play one minute after free agency opens? That, that's, I just don't understand. Every single year, it feels like we go through this, and it just feels like the NBA is throwing out mixed signals each and every year, and, and I just don't get it. So, so my question to you is, what, what is your take on this whole tampering, legal tampering, the deals happening one minute after, and do you think the Bulls and Heat are could actually be in some serious trouble here and these deals might not even end up happening? Well, I think the the precedent for that is you, you look back on last year where, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks were trying to get uh, Bogdanovich from the Sacramento Kings and they had a deal worked out. And, you know, at the end of the day, the, the trades are going to go through. Like okay. that's, 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 it's not an issue of if the trades are going to go through or not, they're going to go through. Um, but what's going to happen is, you know, they might be stripped of a future draft pick or there might be some financial ramifications. Um, but the Lonzo ball is going to be the, a Chicago bull. Like okay. there's, there's, there's not going to be any problems with that. Um, but I, I think, you know, obviously these negotiations between free agent team go down, you know, weeks prior, months prior, um, you know, it, 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 there's no secret uh, that, you know, these deals are not getting done at 601. Okay, you agree with this? Yep, good. Okay, you agree with it? Yep, good. All right, we're good to go. Like, obviously, it does not happen. Um, where I think, you know, teams could be a little smarter is, you know, you see all these guys that are signed, you know, one minute after the deadline or whatever, so-and-so has agreed to so-and-so. Um the NBA doesn't have any problems with that. They're never going to find anybody with that because it was announced during free agent time um, when it was, you know, a legal moratorium period. But when it's the sign and trades 
where obviously a lot more negotiation has had to go through. You've had to get the players' approval. You've had to get both teams' approval. Um, the agents have had to talk. They've had to work out a contract. They've had to work out compensation. There's so many more moving parts with the sign and trade uh, of these free agents that I think that's where the NBA is been more picky, um, like we saw with Bogdanovich last year. So mm-hmm. I think you know I think. Teams and, and agents that are leaking is the you know Woj and Shams and all these guys. They just need to be a little bit smarter <laughs> about it, and maybe you know like uh, you know give it give it you know thirty minutes or an hour. You just give it a little bit more time. Like what what's the point of you know coming out and announcing it just because it's done? You don't have to announce it after the first minute. So you know at the end of the day, I think you know some of these teams might lose a, a you know a future second rounder like the Bucks had to do, but. Um, the the trades are still going to go through, and and that that to to that point, it almost makes me wonder. And I know this sounds crazy, if the Miami Heat are looking at it like, I don't give a damn if I lose a future second rounder, if my owner, who's a billionaire, has to pay some fines. If that gets me Kyle Lowry, so be it, right? Like it looks like they don't even care what the NBA is going to do because at the end of the day, the ramifications aren't that hard. Could could you kind of see the Heat and these other teams looking at it in that type of sense? Yeah, I mean, I think they care far more about losing a draft pick than being fined, fine, yeah. you know, whatever the fine would be, if 50000 100000 whatever it would be, you know, like I said, like you said, there's, there's billionaire owners that they're not going to worry about that as much as they are, you know, losing a draft pick mm-hmm. because, you know, you look at Miami who, you know, they've previously traded a lot of their picks um, and, and Chicago, you know, not right now, they've, they've traded picks you know, for the Vucevic deal where yeah. they've got, you know, an- another first rounder owed to Orlando and, um, you know, to get Lonzo Ball, they have a second round pick going out. So they have picks going out already. So you, you hate to lose even more mm-hmm. from that just for something stupid that, you know, all the sides agreed to it anyways. So, um, you know, I- I'm sure they would much rather just pay a little bit of money instead of lose a pick that would, you know, actually mean something. No doubt. And and let, let's move on. Let's move. take a step back here, go to the NBA draft, and then we'll go back to free agency. Um, this draft was very stacked, especially up top. I mean, a lot of these guys that went second and third would have been number one picks in a previous draft if it wasn't for Cade Cunningham being in this uh, draft. Was there, just looking at the draft now that it's over, um, was there a team or a couple of teams that really stuck out to you that you said, okay, they did a really good job. I like what they did coming out of the draft. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the top, I think everybody did what they were supposed to, right? Like Detroit ended up taking Cade. I know there's some trade talk for there for a while, but at the end of the day, if you have a clear-cut number one that, you know, and there's no roster fit issues at all like you take them right mm-hmm. um you know houston did what they were supposed to do with Jalen green cleveland did what they were supposed to do with evan mobley um if i was toronto i probably would have went with Jalen suggs i thought that was a little bit of a surprise that they would yeah. take scotty barnes especially when you know kyle lowry wasn't going back and i just think i think suggs is going to be a star i think he's going to be an all-star i think he's you know a, a tremendous leader so for them to pass on him at number four i was i was really surprised by that um I, I really liked Jonathan Kaminga going to the Warriors at seven. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a guy that, you know, I thought maybe could sneak as high as four or five overall. I certainly thought he, he was a, a candidate to go number five overall to Orlando. He's a guy that I think 
he has all-star potential and you know you look at his his numbers from the G league and you know he didn't shoot the ball that well especially from three but you just look at like his repertoire of moves that he has already and he's so advanced and he's so athletic and the fact that they used him you know as their primary defender uh, on an opponent's um toughest offensive player like and his age, I mean, he's 18 years old. I mean, he's super young. And you look at some of these guys that are, you know, 20, and it's like, well, is he as good as a 20-year-old? Well, no, he's not. Well, he's not supposed to be. Um, I just think they have an absolute steal with Kaminga at number seven. I think he would have been, you know, a, a top three pick at least last year. I, I, I just think he's got the skills that, you know, you put him, especially in an organization like that, it brought back a guy like Andre Godala who's going to be a tremendous mentor for him, Draymond Green, guys like that. Um, you know, there, there's still a chance they trade him if mm-hmm. they, you know, they go try to get a, a Damian Lillard or Ben Simmons or Bradley Beal or somebody like that. There's a good chance he doesn't even start the season with Golden State. But if he stays there and he's there for a couple of years and he develops in that system, I just think he's going to be an all-star there. So that's, that's, that's one pick I really, really, really liked. Yeah, I, I also really like that. He is the definition of someone with extreme high upside. Um, Going to a team that you cover really well in the Cavs, I love Evan Mobley. I thought it was awesome that the Cavs were able to get him at number three because I think in the previous year, he could have gone number one. He probably would. I, the, the defensive upside that he has, if the, the offensive game that he's going to develop, what is – you cover the team. You know Cleveland very well. What is – being said and what are your thoughts about Evan Mobley how excited is this team moving forward now that they got Mobley yeah I think I think they were in a really you know great position because you know even Houston at two you're 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 probably really looking at that going like okay Jalen Green versus Mm -hmm. Evan Mobley versus Jalen Suggs and you're you know you have a really tough decision to make and then, you know, at Detroit, it wasn't quite as tough of a decision. And then Cleveland, you're like, well, there's there's three elite guys here, and we're going to get who's ever left. And we don't have to pay him as much as the first two because, you know, we're taking him third overall. So I, I just thought it was a really easy decision for him, um, you know, especially the last couple of years where there was really mystery. Uh, last year, number five, where the, when they took Isaac Okoro, he was not who I thought they were going to take. There was a lot of like Obi Top noise. There was Denny Avdia noise. Um, you know, Agora was kind of not a not a super surprise, but it was like, oh, okay, like that's not who I thought they were going to take. So it was kind of nice just to like you know for them to get a guy that you look at him and say, yeah, he he honestly could have went number one overall to Minnesota last year had he come out. Um, and and I say that. To say that he's, I don't think he's going to be, he's not going to be like, I think Cade and Jalen are going to make impacts right away. And I think they're going to step into the NBA and they, they could probably average 18 points per game in the rookie season. I don't think Evan's going to do that. Um, and I, I think it's, we don't know if he's going to start yet. The Cavs still have Kevin Love. It's like, do you, do you start Kevin just because, you know, he's making $30 million and he's a veteran? even though he's clearly not as good as Evan Mobley. Um, and the fit offensively isn't perfect between him and Jared Allen, especially with you know Mobley being a, a 30% three-point shooter. So I, I don't think it's going to be – like I, I don't think he's going to be rookie of the year. I don't think he's going to be uh, a complete success year one. But if you put him in the weight room for a year 
and you let him get used to playing off Darius Garland and Colin Sexton and Okoro and Allen and, and you know the core pieces that are already there in Cleveland. I think he's got a real chance to be the best player in 20 years when we look back at this draft. I think he's got a real good chance to be the best guy to come out of this draft class. And that's saying a lot because yeah. there's there's so many good players in this class. I don't think he's going to be the best right away. I think even guys like you know Jalen Suggs is probably going to make a bigger impact in year one, but give this guy a couple years, let him add another 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. And I think he's going to dominate as either a power forward or a center in this league on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And, and like you said, defensively, man, with them and Jared Allen right down low, that it's going to be a hard team to score on down in the paint. Um, GSMC sports podcast here with Greg Swartz. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Greg Swartz, BR on Twitter. Um, okay, let's move over to free agency here. You talked about a team in the Bulls who has clearly given up a lot of their picks. They are mortgaging their future, so quote-unquote, to bring in players for the here and now in Vucevic, in Lonzo Ball, in Alex Caruso, um, DeMar DeRozan. Okay, so a lot of different moves here. I mean, interesting moves, big-name moves, but also just kind of odd moves. When you look at the Chicago Bulls and, and they're still working on a deal with Zach Levine, obviously that's a big part of this. Do you like what the Bulls did? Do you think that they are a viable playoff team? And these, obviously they're not a contender because the East is going to be really good next year, especially up at the top. Um, but I mean, should they be a lock for a five, six, seven seed? Like, do you really like the direction that the Bulls are heading with the moves they made this free agency period? I I really liked the Lonzo Ball move because mm-hmm. um, they, they needed a franchise point guard. You know, you draft Kobe White to be that. He turns out, uh, he looks more like a scoring guard. He's either going to be a six-man starting shooting guard, but he's not going to be your floor general. Um, and and you're operating, you're going in this offseason knowing that Zach Levine is going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. And he is going to get a lot of attention from a lot of teams because he's going to be 27 years old. He's in his prime. He just scored 27 points per game on ridiculous shooting efficiency. Uh, made his first all-star team. You're, you go into this offseason knowing, well, we got to get this roster better or he's going to leave. And, you know, the Vucevic trade kind of kicked that off. Um, Zach Levine, you know, goes in the COVID protocols. They don't finish the season um the way they want to, they don't get that pairing on the floor together a lot. They, they miss the playoffs. So you're like, okay, well, we have more work to do. And they, they had cap spaced at the cost of, you know, cutting like guys like Tomas Sodoransky, um, Thaddeus Young, uh, Laurie Markin, and they, they, they would have had to, you know, obviously not give him a big contract. Mm-hmm. So they had options and it, it was still like, you know, if you would have told me going to free agency, Hey, they're going to get Lonzo ball. And DeMar DeRozan, I always said, there's no way. Um, so I really like the Lonzo Ball move. 23 years old. I think he fits in that backcourt really well. You have a 6'6 point guard, a 6'6 shooting guard. Um, you know, Lonzo's a guy that coming off a career year, you know, the, the shot is fixed. You know, he's, yeah. he's a reliable 38% three-point shooter now. You don't have to worry about that. Um, he, he hasn't been an elite defender like, you know, we kind of thought he would have been coming out of college, but he's still got potential. He's still young. Um, I think I think that's a really good fit for him because he's, he's fine passing first and scoring second. And then when you have a guy like Levine 
um, and Kobe White and guards like that. I think you need a guy like that. So I thought that was great. They didn't have to give up a first round pick. Um, I thought that was, I, I really didn't, I really questioned the move by New Orleans. Like, <laughs> what the hell are they doing? Giving him up for, um, you know, not even getting a first round pick in return. Um, so I like that. The, the DeRozan, I, I projected when I was doing my, my free agency previews, I, I projected DeRozan getting a three year, $65 million contract. I didn't think he would get 30 or close to 30 a year just because, I, I, I was questioning who was going to give it to him. I didn't think San Antonio was going to. Um, Dallas, that wasn't a great fit there, even though they had some cap space. Uh, the Knicks, maybe. But, you know, Oklahoma City was a team with cap space, but why would they sign him? I just didn't think he was going to get, you know, what he ended up signing for, which was three years and $85 million. And like I said, I project him at three years, 65 So I thought Chicago definitely overpaid for him. Um, for a guy that, you know, doesn't, he's a, he's a great player, but he doesn't fit the modern NBA. He's a guy that's going to need to have the ball in his hand a lot, which when you already have Lonzo and Zach Levine and Kobe White and Vucevic, like that's, that's a lot of guys that need the ball. Um, and then how are you going to develop Patrick Williams, who, you know, maybe has the highest upside on this team outside of, you know, Zach Levine. So I, I, I think they kind of cemented themselves as a, bottom tier playoff team um you know maybe if, if kobe white has a good year and develops and, and patrick williams has a good year and develops like you know maybe they sneak into the top four but you know are, are they as good as miami are they as good as brooklyn or are they as good as milwaukee i i just don't think they are they're they got a lot better but i i don't think they're one of the top teams in the east yeah, and, and I kind of want to go to the Pelicans team, who both of us agreed that that was a very head-scratching trade, and you in particular have seen David Griffin work his magic as a GM up close and, and personal there with what he did and some of the moves that I personally don't think if, if he doesn't make, I don't know if the Cavs can make that comeback and win back in 2016 against the Warriors. But since he's become the GM in, in New Orleans, there's been a lot of moves where I've just scratched my head. I, I thought the Stan Van Gundy hire was weird in the beginning. Then he, after one year, they, they fire him. And now we're starting to look at our watch because that's kind of how it is these days with the NBA. When you have a guy like Zion, and he, I know it seems like he just got drafted a couple years ago, time is ticking. And if you don't start to put a team around him, he's going to want to leave. That's just how it is. Are you concerned with what the Pelicans are doing and concerned for Zion's future, losing Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe. I like Devontae Graham. I've watched him very up close here here in Charlotte. I think he's, a, but obviously, you know, it's Devontae Graham. He's not a Lonzo Ball. What are your thoughts on what David Griffin is doing with the Pelicans right now? Yeah, I, I kind of go back to even the Drew Holiday trade. Yeah. Like, I, I know they got a lot for him, um, but it's like, why do you want to trade Drew Holiday? Because, like, if you talk about a veteran in his prime who can play on the ball, can play off the ball, is an elite defender, is, a, is an elite teammate, is an elite person, isn't that the type of guy you want to have in your locker room? Uh, especially when you've got a young, you've got a young Zion and you've got a, a young Lonzo Ball. Like, isn't isn't that the guy you want to have? And I understand, like, you got draft picks for him and you got future first, and and, and that's great. But then what did you have to end up doing? 
You know, you got Eric Bledsoe back. You had to you had to trade a first round pick just to get off his contract and and get Jonas Valanciunas in and, and open up cap space just to like make up for that mistake. And then what are you going to do with all those future picks? You're going to try to trade them for a player like a Drew Holiday. <laughs> That's what you're going to end up doing with them. So to me, it's like I I never would have traded Drew. I just would have kept him in the backcourt with Lonzo and let him be this you know, great leader for them and and guy that kind of bridges the gap from, okay, you know, we went from the Anthony Davis era, um, we didn't go where we wanted to go, now we have this tremendous group of young talent. Um, I just never thought they should have traded Drew. And then, you know, it, for it seemed like there was a lot of hesitation to get a deal done with Alonzo. Um, they could have extended him last offseason. They didn't come to an agreement. Um, they didn't trade him at the trade deadlines. So you're like, okay, well, maybe there's a chance, you know, we can work out a deal. It, you know, at no point was he going to get a max contract. I, I thought 20 million a year was, was reasonable, especially for, you know, a salary cap that's supposed to jump up by 7 million next year. I thought, okay, 20 for Lonzo, that, that's not bad. There are a lot of worse contracts out there. Um, and, and, you know, to have him and a guy like Nikhil Alexander Walker that's coming up. And I, I just thought, Man, if, if if they don't bring Lonzo back, they have to get one of the top guys. They have to get a Chris Paul, a Kyle Lowry. At the very worst, they have to get a Spencer Dinwiddie. They have to get somebody in here, you know, that, that's better than Lonzo. And they didn't. They got Devontae Graham, who, you know, doesn't even shoot 40% from the field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who was a starter and, you know, obviously was, wasn't good enough for the the Charlotte Hornets to say, you know, we're, we're going to take somebody at your position, you know, with the third overall pick in the draft uh, when they got LaMelo Ball. So I I think New Orleans has had arguably the worst offseason of any team thus far just because you, you've kind of messed up two offseasons in a row. Um, you've kind of planted the seeds of doubt in Zion's head like, wow, I, I can sign a max contract extension next summer if i wanted to and and he will i am not saying he won't he mm-hmm. will just because you know no rookie turns that down but you know how long after he signs that extension do you say well, I, you know what I, I think i might want to be traded because i really am doubting you know where this front office is taking this team because he was zion was vocal about having lonzo back brandon ingram was vocal about having lonzo back Lonzo leaves and you replace him with Tomas Sadoransky and, <laughs> and, and Devontae Graham. I'm just like, I, I don't know. I like, you know, you mentioned me kind of following David Griffin and I, I thought he was great in Cleveland and I loved having him here. I was sad when he left, but I mean, he's, he's destroying that team right now and it's sad to see. Yeah, there is no doubt about that. And the, the eyes are going to be on Zion and, and like you said he shouldn't turn down that deal and he probably won't but then how quickly after that do things start to come into a much more heated situation let's get to a team that is obviously loved all around the world and hated all around the world and that's the Los Angeles Lakers um the you know it's funny Greg there there's there's obviously all the stuff going on around Twitter about the, this team is super old, and they are. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I did not like the Russell. I would have personally, and I know it sounds crazy, I thought Buddy Heald is a better fit. They also were not going to have to give up KCP, who is their best on-ball defender, to get Buddy Heald. Uh, the salary's cheaper. I just thought getting Buddy Heald with LeBron James and Anthony Davis 
is a much better fit in the scheme of things with the way Russell Westbrook wants to play. I don't like the fit, but I do like what Rob Polinka has done. I, I for, for the little money they've had, I'm impressed with some of the guys that they've got. There's obviously a, still some head scratching. You know, where's the shooting coming from? I do think Malik Monk has high upside, but he hasn't really shown much. Wayne Ellington can shoot. You know, Melo, he, he's much older. Just what are your thoughts on this Lakers team? Are you pretty down on what's happening? Or do you think, okay, because they have LeBron James, if he's healthy, if AD's healthy, then it doesn't matter. They're going to be fine. Yeah, I did um, um, one of the articles I did right after they got knocked out of the playoffs is I was supposed to come up with, like, trade ideas for teams that have been eliminated already and, and come up with, you know, kind of solutions to help them get back and towards a, a title. And, you know, if you look at the Lakers, you know, they don't have first-round picks to trade. They have very limited young talent to trade. They weren't going to go out and get a Damian Lillard or a Bradley Beal or somebody like that. So, I, you know, that was that was basically the trade I proposed for them was, you know, just matching those contracts that they had for Russell Westbrook because there's no way they're going to get a player as talented as Westbrook, you know, unless he's – you know, on a terrible contract like Westbrook is and, you know, is, is playing for the team that, you know, looks like they might want to move on from him, would rather have younger guys on, on you know, better contracts, but maybe aren't quite as talented. Um, so, it, you know, it, it was an idea that I had before that I thought, well, you know, it's it's not a perfect fit. <laughs> like it's, mm-hmm. it's certainly not. Especially you bring in a guy like Dwight Howard, who you know offers no floor spacing at all. I don't know how they're going to play a lot of those guys together. Mm-hmm. But if you're just looking at purely putting talent together, I I I thought it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying I would have done that over the Buddy Heel trade, but you're going to have to get a Russell Westbrook that um, obviously he, he hasn't won a title. Um, you're going to have to get a version of him that is willing to do just whatever it takes to win. And I think he's finally at the point in his career, you know, he's, he's, he's approaching his mid thirties. He's done everything you can possibly do individually, right? he's won a scoring, he's won scoring titles. He's won the MVP. He's been an all-star. He's, he's won assist titles. He's done everything you can do individually, but he's never won a title. So you're going to have to see, even from last year, you're going to have to see a completely different version. You're going to have to see a Russell Westbrook that doesn't settle for mid-range jumpers. You're going to have to see one that basically just doesn't shoot three-pointers. You're going to have to see one that is more committed to getting to the rim, which is not going to be easy with a lot of the spacing that they're going to have. That is, you know, perfectly fine being the third option. He's, He's been good at being the second option. He's thrived being the second option. You look at, you know, Kevin Durant won an MVP next to him, and Paul George um, was was third in MVP voting next to him, and James Harden obviously had a big year next to him. He can be the second guy, but we've never seen him as the third guy. And if he's willing to play that role, if he's willing to, you know, take 12 shots a game instead of 20, and he's willing to defer to LeBron, he's willing to defer to Anthony Davis, and he's going to kick out and find those shooters, you know, that they signed, I think it can work. But that's asking a lot of a guy that continually has one of the highest usage percentages in the league, continually has one of the worst shot charts in the league, is always at the top or near the top of the turnover list. He's really going to have to sacrifice the most and make the most adjustments to his game. But 
So this was a trade that him and LeBron and AD had talked about. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he was blindsided. This is something he wanted. So I'm sure he's already gone through the mental process of saying, this is how I'm going to have to adjust my game. Um, he obviously knows LeBron. He knows AD. He's, he's seen their games. He knows how they play. And I think he's probably at this point so desperate to win um, that he'll be willing to make those adjustments. Um, but do they have enough around him? Uh, I thought Kendrick Nunn was a great signing. Um, uh, Carmelo Anthony, I know he's 37, but he can still stand there and shoot. <laughs> I don't know if he can defend. I don't know if he can guard anybody, but he can stand there and shoot. A lot of these guys that they signed, you know, uh, the older ones, they, they only have to play like 15 minutes a night. You know, they don't have to play 30, 35 minutes a night. Um, so I think it can work. Uh, but I think it's going to depend on, on Westbrook and how much he wants to change his game. Yeah, and, and like you said, I think he is one of those guys that is so passionate and so desperate for a title that he definitely might. It, it's going to be a must-watch team every night. There is no doubt about that. Um, Greg Schwartz here at Bleacher Report. We'll get you out of here on this, man. We, we enjoy the time that you've spent with us. Um, last question. Is there a team that I haven't mentioned, the the Knicks, the Nets getting Patty Mills, the Celtics. Is there a team out there that you like what happened and maybe is not being talked about enough in free agency and or the draft? Where going into next season, you think that they have taken a big step forward and can make some moves? I think the team that's impressed me the most in the offseason has been the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a team that, Two years ago, it was in the finals. Last year, they, they lose in the first round. They get swept. They probably should have traded for Kyle Lowry at the trade deadline if they would have wanted to make any real noise. Um, I just thought they, you know, they were real smart about the offseason and how they handled it. You know, you get Kyle Lowry on the three-year deal. He's, he's, you know, he's 35, but he's still playing at a high level. Um, you saw the impact that Chris Paul made for the Suns. You know, Lowry's kind of the same type of guy. Um, you sign a PJ Tucker, you get Victor Oladipo back on a, on a one-year deal where, you know, even if he misses half the season, if he comes back for the playoffs and looks anywhere, you know, near like Indiana, Victor Oladipo, you know, on a, on a, on a one-year deal and then you get him in the playoffs too, you re-sign Duncan Robinson on a five-year, $90 million deal. So there's, there's your, your much-needed floor spacing. You have Bam Adebayo who, you know, it's, it's probably a top five center in the league at this point. And then you, you sign Jimmy Butler to a max extension. I just I just look at that team. I'm like, if if there's any team in the league that I just, from a strictly standpoint of, I would just hate to play them, I think it would be Miami. Just because, you know, P.J. Tucker is going to bother you. Yeah. Um, you know that's going to be one of the toughest defensive teams. You know it's going to be one of the smartest teams. You know it's going to be one of the most well-coached teams. And, you know, one guy I didn't even name yet, Tyler Hero. Uh, I mean, for a guy that looked like he was going to be an all-star after his rookie year, if he can bounce back and just, you know, kind of nail that six-man role, holy cow. I mean, that's going to be one of the best teams in the East. Um, I would not put them above Brooklyn, but I I think they could be the second seed in the East. I think they're going to just be just a, a... terrible team to run into in the playoffs especially when you let them game plan against you and and you're they're getting a night off in between games every single um game throughout the series uh, i i think miami has had the most impressive offseason of any team and, and they're just going to be a brutal team to face next year 
Yeah, and, and it's it's just going to be one of those teams up in the top of the East that is going to be with Milwaukee and Brooklyn if they're healthy and Miami. That is going to be a fascinating East playoffs, and I can't wait for it. Awesome, man. Greg Swartz, Bleacher Report. Go follow him on Twitter, at Greg Swartz, BR. He writes a lot of great articles that he's right on a lot of times, too, as he alluded to during this interview. Greg, thank you so much for your time, man. Uh, have a good rest of your summer, and, and hopefully we'll talk to you again later on, okay? Yeah, that sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.